What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Travelers Championship. Obviously not in the home studio, still very much in Boston, uh, putting a bow on an unbelievable U.S. Open. It was great to meet a lot of you out there. It was obvious, obviously a phenomenal championship. I'm so stoked to be a part of it. Uh, if you hear any ambient noises, my bad. We'll do the best to uh, get through this as efficiently and as quality as possible. But we've got another tournament we are rocking with this week. And because it's only 97 miles away from Brookline, the field is pretty decent. All right, let's jump into it right now. All right, TPC River Highlands. And I say this a lot, but this is a staple on the PGA Tour schedule. There's just a lot of staples on the schedule. So we've been going here for quite some time. We have a ton of really good data to work with. And I think maybe the most defining feature of TPC River Highlands is actually its length, 6,800 yards on the scorecard. That is the shortest par 70 on the PGA Tour schedule this season. It's the second shortest course in all the courses, no matter what, uh, I believe Bermuda was just a hair shorter than this. So um, this is a course that is actually going to look for precision over power. It's going to look for accuracy and the Kentucky bluegrass that they have as the rough, which can be, you know, four inches thick, especially if they get any type of moisture or humidity, it's just going to be kind of the tricky situation here. This is a golf course that really does uh, penalize these golfers when they miss the fairway. You can see, if you look back at the most correlated stats, driving accuracy is a highly correlated stat. It is ranked 12th, which means there are only 11 other courses on the PGA Tour schedule in which driving accuracy was more important than at TPC River Highlands. Look at what driving distance is. Driving distance is 30th, which means there's only 13 courses on the on the PGA Tour schedule in which driving distance was less important than at TPC River Highlands. Because what you're going to get is a situation where a lot of different guys can compete. The shorter hitters have had a lot of success here. Makes sense because they're generally more accurate and they're not going to be overpowered by this golf course. And the longer hitters do okay too because they go out and they club down and now they're much more accurate off the tee than they normally are. Again, accuracy off the tee is the name of the game that along with strokes gained approach are the two stats that kind of stand out in a big way when you look at the most correlated numbers. And of course it is a Pete Dye design. So we can go and look at um, his courses that, that he was the architect for because they tend to have these uh, similarities and these subtleties and this kind of visual nuance that challenges these golfers at every single turn. So we've got ourselves a good one here. And I'll tell you what, the reason they get a really good field like they do, it's not necessarily just because they're 97 miles away from Brookline. It's because this event is routinely voted, you know, one of the players favorite events. They do just do such a good job with hospitality and getting these guys in and out. And it's just, it's, it's a really well-run event. So we're going to get a decent field here. And with that, I think we should take a look at the cheat sheet. Six golfers over $10,000 led by Scotty Scheffler. 11,200, Rory McIlroy in the field. He's $11,000 flat. Justin Thomas is 10.8. Sam Burns, 10.4. Patrick Cantlay, 10.2. Xander Shoffley, $10,000. I would... Keep an eye out for WDs. Um, I, I don't have any inside information, but the week after a major championship, sometimes you just get guys that are 
pretty tired and they end up removing themselves from this field. I actually think Will Zaltoris was committed to this field last week. And then of course on Saturday or Sunday, uh, he ends up withdrawing. So I think there might be one or two more of those coming, hopefully enough to get Bo Hostler into the field. Cause I think he sets up well for this place, but that's a conversation for another day. If that day comes. So the top of the board here, um, I'm, I'm just so smitten with what Scotty Scheffler has been up to. And when you see it in person, it's just so different. You know, the, the game that he has, which is one of teamwork with his caddy, Ted Scott, has been so impressive, even his worst finishes. So he misses the cut to PGA Championship, which we saw a frustrated Scotty Scheffler. Uh, it was actually a very good missed cut. He gained 2.4 strokes on approach. He just lost a little bit around the green, a little bit off the tee, a little bit with the putter, no real uh, red flags there. And then he bounces right back with a runner up finish at colonial and a T 18 at the Canadian open and a runner up at the U S open. And he is just so capable of doing it on a bunch of different golf courses. Look at these T to green numbers. They're absolutely phenomenal. He's gained Eight or more strokes from tee to green in, oh my God, six of his last seven. That's an absurd amount for him to be going through. So I'm starting to get into a situation where Scotty Scheffler, who's already broken the record for um, you know the most money ever earned in a PGA Tour season, and we still have however many events to go, I just don't know how you can continue to not fade this guy like or not play this guy. There's an argument to be made that he should be more expensive than this 11200 When you look at even Scotty and the next couple of guys, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Sam Burns, they're not particularly accurate off the tee. They don't spray it super far, but I do think playing out of the short crest is going to be important. But if you're Rory McIlroy around a 6,800-yard TPC River Highlands, you're, you don't have to hit driver. So what I kind of want to do – for the rest of these guys here at the top is I want to go over to the Holy Grail and I want to plug in shorter courses. So basically we'll take the last five years or so. And what I'll do is I'll add another filter here and bear with me. I'm actually uh, on my laptop. So this might, uh, as I'm recording my screen, take a little bit longer here. So what I'll do is I'll do, um, let's call it 7,000, 750 and shorter. We'll see how many rounds that ends up being for these guys. But of everybody in uh, this field, dating back to 2018 on basically what is short courses, let's see who does well. Yeah, that guy, Rory McIlroy, 43 rounds in such situations, gaining over 2.4 strokes per round. Yeah, here you go. T11 at the Travelers. So the Travelers is going to pop up here a couple times. T12 in 2018. That's TPC River Highlands. He's missed one cut in these events that, that fit this criteria dating back to 2018. And he's been piling up top 10, top five finishes. He has two wins in the mix. And it kind of makes sense, right? Roy McElroy gaining 0.85 strokes off the tee. He's so much kind of longer and more efficient than everybody else that when he gets the club down off the tee, he's going to find a lot more fairways. I do wonder, maybe I can look this up for a tweet or something later, how many more fairways he hits on these shorter courses because I bet you it's a lot more. We'll keep an eye on that. Um, you have to look at Patrick Cantlay here as well. Cantlay is essentially number two here. Taylor Moore is technically number two, but he only has eight rounds played. So Patrick Cantlay on these shorter courses doesn't have a win, 
Doesn't even have a runner-up finish, but his worst finish is 35th. And you can see it's basically Riviera, it's Pebble Beach, it's it's uh, TPC River Highlands. That's what's fitting into this, this model right now. And that's what is allowing Patrick Cantlay to really find a lot of success. He's gaining strokes across the board, and he's the only other golfer that is gaining two or more strokes on shorter courses dating back to 2018. I want to show you something here because I think this helps illustrate where my brain is at on a golf course that is really this short. Cam Champ, who is obviously one of the longest players on the PGA Tour uh, and has been for quite some time, on these shorter courses is gaining 0.89 strokes off the tee. So basically 0.9 strokes off the tee per round in 54 rounds. If we change this and look at it the other way, courses that are you know, 7,051 yards and longer. Maybe we could go to 7,100 or 7,200. Um, he actually gets worse in terms of strokes gained off the tee. So it drops to 0.75. And that's a little bit counterintuitive. But think about what a huge edge Cam Champ has off the tee normally with driver. But when he goes to a really short course, not having to hit driver, uh, being able to still be longer than everybody else, but finding a lot more fairways is really going to increase that strokes gained off the tee number and not put as much pressure on the rest of his game. So that's just kind of one sample illustration of how I think this course ends up playing itself out. When I look at the rest of this range, we really have to split hairs a little bit here. And I was originally drawn to the bottom of the $10,000 range, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley, $10,200 and $10,000 respectively. They both finished 14th last week. They've both been playing uh, very well outside of Patrick Cantlay's miscut at the PGA Championship. Cantlay has four consecutive top 15s at this event, and, and, and Xander's got a couple of top 20s in his last couple trips as well, although he doesn't play it nearly as much. But I want to look back at last week. And you. this is the live leaderboard from last week. And you'll look at Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley. They're right next to one another. These are okay stat profiles that I see from these guys, right? Xander Shoffley, who gained strokes across the board, that's good to see. But he gained, what, over six strokes in the short game categories. And he gained only two in the ball striking categories, which is a little bit concerning. I, I want to see Xander driving it better, gaining two strokes. I want to see him gaining, you know, three or four on approach and not being so reliant on the short game. Patrick Cantlay, a bit more extreme, gained four strokes off the tee, awesome number, gained five strokes with the putter, which we've seen at times. We've seen him get hot with at times. I'm a little bit worried that he lost 1.3. So I think these guys are on approach, that is. So I think these guys are interesting options. I think they are fair options. I don't think they're great options, especially when you have to start splitting hairs here in the 10K range. And I've got somebody like Justin Thomas, who is right uh, here-ish. Where did I find you? Right here. Justin Thomas, who did that JT thing, gain a stroke off the tee, 6.7 on approach, and then he lost strokes in the short game category. 6.7 strokes on approach was what? Seventh best in this field. It's phenomenal stuff. If you go back to his golfer profile, you'll see he's generally much better around the greens and much or and has been much better with the putter. So it would not be an unrealistic request for him to say, go out and gain six strokes on approach, just like you did at the RBC Canadian Open and the US Open. Do that again. Drive it just like you did be a zero around the greens and gain three with the putter. That combination right there is the recipe for success and the recipe for victory for Justin Thompson. It's not that far away.
The $9,000 range to me is a lot about ebbs and flows, and it's a lot about recency bias. Sungjae Im, for example, one of the most popular golfers on the slate last week, missed the cut. How will people treat that? Keegan Bradley, who is now multiple thousand dollars more expensive than he was last week after a really great finish at the U.S. Open and kind of one of the the bigger, at least local, storylines, how is the public going to react to that. Tony Finau, same thing, misses the cut at the U.S. Open as a very popular option. How are people going to react to that? How are people going to react to Seamus Power, who finished 12th at the U.S. Open and now has been unbelievable in major championships? One of the best performers of the guys who have made all three cuts in major championships this year, Seamus Power, not getting a lot of respect. So um, I'm going to try to bob while everybody else weaves. So Sung J M $9,700. He burned me last week as well. We can look at his stat profile, but I will tell you what, and he was, um, he was still out there at the country club grinding on the weekend on the practice facilities. He was, uh, I, I understand that he, he missed the cut, but he stayed around, he hung around and he was getting his reps in. And it's hard to always tell what they're doing on the driving range or what they're trying to do, but they also had that, uh, that top tracer up. So I could see the stats. I could see the metrics and he was just hitting the same, you know, with whatever club it was, eight iron hitting the same number over and over, over and over, over and over. So he looked like he was getting it dialed in a little bit, which he needs to honestly, right? Because the ball striking was not good from him last week. He was barely a positive off the tee. He lost a little bit on approach. The the 1.25 that he lost in the ball striking categories was his worst since the match play. Um, you know, it ended a really, really good run for him, but the short game numbers were right in check. And if you believe kind of what, at least what I saw on the driving range and the fact that that was probably an outlier week for him, uh, I'm willing to give Sung Jay another go, probably not willing to give Keegan Bradley another go. I know he has a runner up finish here in 2019, a T8 in 2017, but that is such a big increase for a guy who's got a lot of emotional baggage off of a really good uh, week last week, you know, in New England, I, I that that feels like a trap to me. Uh, I kind of alluded to the idea of going to Seamus Power being interesting, and I want to show you why I think that. So these results that he's been piling up: T17 at the Byron Nelson, a ninth place finish at the PGA. He did indeed miss the cut with a bad putting week at the Memorial, but then he bounces right back and finishes 12th at the U.S. Open. And there's a lot to like about Sheamus's game. If you look at his stats for the year, you're going to see a guy who uh, is long enough and accurate enough, right? 52nd in driving accuracy, uh, 91st in distance, which makes him 58th in strokes gained off the tee, and I care more about accuracy than I do distance this week. Then you start looking at, okay, he doesn't hit uh, – his strokes gain approach numbers are not great for the season, but he hits a ton of greens, and then he makes a lot of putts, which is why his strokes gain putting number can be so much better than his strokes gain approach number. Uh, strokes gain putting, he's 32nd for the year. And I will say, before we even get to um, you know other major championships for Sheamus, I do think that golf courses where par is going to be a really good score, this is kind of the stat profile that you look for, right? The fact that he's top 10 – in greens and regulation rarely give, you know, the only way you make a, a bogey by hitting a green is, is with, is with three putts, uh, which is something he does 2.2% of the time. So I think, you know, as we move forward into major championships, 
or harder courses, whether it's Memorial or Bay Hill or, or whatever it ends up being, it, it's, I don't know if Seamus is going to win, but I think this is a stat profile for a guy that sets up really well. So um, at, at $9,100, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty in on this. I'm also likely to be a sucker for Jordan Spieth going back to him one more time. He's won at this event before. He's more accurate now than he has been in recent years. You know, the, the stomach bug that he got, and he was not alone in getting the stomach bug. It was bothering JT and it was bothering a lot of other guys who kind of went, went out together. It seems almost, almost more like food poisoning. Um, after that, he kind of writes the ship a little bit, right? Like here's the Holy Grail, rickrungood.com. And you can see horrible in the short game on, on Thursday. Maybe he wasn't feeling well. Maybe it was concentration. Maybe he just didn't play well. After that, he gained strokes across the board over his final, over his final three rounds. He ends up finishing 37th in a very kind of difficult us open with a lot of guys and, and probably not feeling your best. So I, again, trying to Bob while everyone else is weaving here. Before I jump into the 8k range, um, let me just run a couple of things or really only one thing here for, uh, from the Holy grail. And that is going to be uh, Pete Dye as an architect. I just think there are some guys where this is more important for, and Pete Dye is probably the best example of having consistencies in, uh, the style of golf courses that he puts together and how menacing they can be, uh, especially visually. So here are the last five years of results on Pete Dye course. And the other thing about Pete Dye is there's a ton of courses that he has on, on the PGA tour. Uh, Patrick Cantley's number one, shouldn't be much of a surprise. 67 rounds gaining a, a 1.5 strokes. Tommy Fleetwood is number two. Webb Simpson and Brian Harmon are three and four. And the reason that's important, because now that we're in the 8k range, I kind of wanted to, to illustrate some of these guys. Brian Harmon is like the course horse in the $8,000 range, right? You look at what he's done at the Travelers Championship. It was a T5 here in 2021. He did indeed miss the cut in 2020, but that was basically all via the putter. Loses 3.6 strokes putting at the Travelers Championship in 2020. Everything else was, was fine for Brian Harmon's stat profile. You go back, he had a T6 here in 2018 as well. This, this passes the eye test, doesn't it? This passes the sniff test. Brian Harmon... Um, probably the only guy on tour I'm taller than he does not hit it very far, hits it further than I do, does not hit it very far compared to his peers, but he's very, very accurate. And then when he gets into that 100 to 150 range, he's able to just kind of dial in. He's able to kind of make a run at things and, and roll enough putts in. And it's, and it's been a decent stretch of golf for him, right? Makes cut the U S open. He was inside the top five. I believe it was on Friday, kind of faded on the weekend a little bit, but still finishes 43rd. The Memorial, he finishes T8 there. He had a T9 at Wells Fargo. Those are two very tough golf courses. Throw Valspar into the mix too. T5 at, at, at Valspar. I mean, Brian Harmon is playing good golf this year, and now he goes to probably the best course on the PGA Tour for him. Let's see. TPC River Highlands, 1.48 over 36 rounds. Yeah. No other course in which he's played at least 25 rounds at has, has Brian Harmon been better. So this is absolutely the time you want to run out Harmon. And then I'm a sucker for kind of some of these other guys in the uh, in the upper eights as well. Aaron Wise, who I've been a truther for all year, continues to play well. Again, he was, I think he touched the lead. I think he touched the lead on Saturday at the US Open. That's a little bit scary. And I'm not going to knock him for finishing T27. Things can get sideways at the country club in quite a hurry. And then Davis Riley, 
Davis Riley, this set of results since Zurich, uh, where the 31st at the U.S. Open is by far his worst result. That's that's just unbelievably stout. We can go to his golfer profile here because I want to see uh, basically just how he's doing it. But I know it's I know it's awesome. But I'll show you guys. Here are the results. Davis Riley. Yeah, look at this. Here are his strokes gain approach numbers in his last five. 6.7 at the U.S. Open. That's just that's what Justin Thomas did. Five at the Memorial. 7.6 at the Charles Schwab. 6.4 at the PGA Championship. 3.7 at the AT&T Byron Nelson. Let's go. The, the game is sharp. The metrics are there. The results are following suit. The rest of this 8K range, I'm not particularly thrilled with. Denny McCarthy's been much better, but again, I, I think I'll just take kind of a pass on Denny. I'll catch him down the road. When you get a large increase in pricing and people are going to be excited to play you, and then you go to a place where you've got, you know, twice you didn't make it to the weekend in the last three years and your best finish in that in that time frame is the 73rd, might not be a great spot for him. The other one here is Jason Day. Jason Day didn't play the U.S. Open, right? Jason Day did not have to battle uh, what I'll tell you, we're pretty chilly, windy conditions, especially on the weekend uh, here in Brookline. And he's made a bunch of cuts coming into this. He's got three top 12 finishes in the last four trips that he made to TPC River Highlands. And he hasn't missed a cut during that stretch. Having a little bit of rest and relaxation since the Memorial, probably a good thing for J-Day. So I probably prefer him over some of these other guys in the eights. Here's the $7,000 range. And it... Like it's definitely Brendan Steele time, right? We were we were all in on Steele. The Memorial he finished uh, in a tie for tenth. That is now three top ten finishes in his last four starts. One of them was indeed the Zurich, but we, he hasn't played since the Memorial. So we've got this again, rest and relaxation. If you think that's a positive, I tend to think yeah, it's, that's probably a, a decent thing. It's certainly not a negative. And he's going back to a place that he's had success at. Sixth in 2020, 21st in 2019, 14th in 2027. I'll show you the larger Brandon Steele profile here because I think it is impressive. And I think it shows, you know, we talk about ebbs and flows this week. The ebbs and flows that these professional golfers can go through, right? Brandon Steele, historically one of the better ball strikers, horrible putter, lost the ball striking during this stretch where he missed five consecutive cuts to start his 2022 year and now he's found it again and once he found it again once he's gotten back to his baseline the results have have come in and don't get me wrong he is still horrible in the short game categories but you're really just looking for kind of like this gain two strokes around the green zero with the putter gain one around the green zero with the putter lose less than one around the green gain a little less than one with the putter. That, that's it. We're not asking him to go out and gain five strokes with the putter. He doesn't have to do it. We're not asking him to chip in four or five times. He doesn't have to do it because uh, the rest of his game is so strong. And especially like a place like this where uh, precision and accuracy is so critical. Will people remember to go back to Brendan and Todd? Uh, Todd's been awesome. And as I was, I don't know if you guys noticed, but as I was flipping through a lot of those like I think it was Pete Dye courses and, and shorter courses. Brendan Todd's name seems to seem to be in there a lot. 13th at uh, the RBC, that's Canada. 
a couple of weeks ago. That's the last time we saw him. Third at Colonial. He's got four top 26 finishes in his last six starts. The last two treks that he's made to Hartford, he's got an 11th and a 30th. It's it's kind of Brendan Todd's season, uh, especially on a golf course that is not going to ask him to be long, which is good because he is, I, I believe, the shortest guy off the tee in the, in the $7,000 range. Let's just confirm that. Uh, yeah, he is. He is losing 14 yards per round. That's the average drive. Uh, losing 14 yards to the field in his last 24. However, he's gaining 12% of fairways. So he is the shortest, but the second most accurate. Uh, Ches Reeve is the other guy that's kind of in that category, the second shortest, but the most accurate. So these guys one and two uh, in both directions there. And, and this is a golf course that, the accuracy side, the short grass side, will be much more valuable. Harris English worries me a little bit. Hasn't done all that much since his win here last year, and I know people tend to give the defending champion kind of a little bit of a boost, and a lot of guys have successfully defended this year, but um, that worries me quite a bit, and you can see the metrics are just, just not good for Harris English. KH Lee, on the other hand, has gained across the board in his last 24. He's got a win during that stretch. He's only missed one cut dating back to the Wells Fargo, and he's got a mixed bag of results around TPC River Highlands, which includes a 73rd, a missed cut, and a 13th place finish. The other guy, and I want to look this up. I want to look up Cam Davis on shorter courses here. So let's go last five years. That's probably everything on Cam Davis, and we'll go, uh, we'll take Pete Dye off, and we will just go these shorter golf courses, because sometimes you get these bombers who, when they, they're, they're still precise, and Cam Davis has always been fa uh, fairly good on approach. Let's see if we can find him here. So he does have the ability to be precise and be accurate, but they don't, they don't spray it as much at these, at these courses. Let's see if I can find him here. Okay. So he is a slight positive golfer, although I'll tell you what, he's really turned it on. So this is kind of why I like to look at the logs here, because the first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, this first nine short course events, he lost a ton of strokes in seven of them. Since then, he's played short courses six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven times. He's lost strokes twice and he gains a lot. So this is kind of, uh, you know, the full on metric, the full on just averages would not tell the whole story here. But if I change this to just go back to the start of 2020, so maybe we just did. Yeah, you can see we can get, we can get rid of a lot of these results here. Actually, I can do it even, I can even uh, make it a little bit better here. 20 dating back to 2020. Yeah, look at that. Now, now it's it's 30 rounds and he's gaining a stroke per round at these courses. So that that is probably more reflective, uh, which is good to see. And he's gaining across the board there. So probably one of my favorite plays in that $7,000 range. We can just kind of use the cheat sheet to look for a couple of things. Guys that have green in strokes gain total, obviously. Guys that are green in fairways uh, gained guys that might have good recent results or history here. So the, the intersections of those to me, um, David Lipsky stands out, right? One of the few guys in the $6,000 range who's gaining over a stroke per round over his last 24 and also does it by playing out of the short grass and also does it with a little bit of upside. So two of those 
recent finishes are top sixes. He's only played the Travelers Championship once. He finished, uh, he missed the cut last year, so we don't can't give him all high marks there. But David Lipsky uh, certainly stands out. I know this might be annoying to those who watch every week, but Adam Shank at 6,600 continues to stand out, right? He is gaining both in, in distance and in accuracy off the tee, not in a huge way by any stretch of the imagination. He's gaining three-tenths of a stroke. Uh, no, excuse me, two-thirds of a stroke per round in total, which is a great number, better than many of his peers. And he has now found the weekend in five of six and in six of eight with a couple of top 15 finishes in there as well. So I'll continue to allow him to provide me some salary cap relief. What else do we have here? Anything of note? Hayden Buckley, you know, made a charge last week. Uh, he had missed a ton of cuts before that. That is probably an outlier and un unlikely to happen again. The other one that I'm willing to go back to is potentially Steven Yeager at $6,800. He's missed two cuts in a row, but before that it was four straight solid starts. He's only played here once. It was back in 2019. He finished 30th, so there might be a little bit of good vibes there. Um, but likely sticking with Lipsky, likely sticking with Yeager, with Adam Shank, and a couple other guys that we might be able to find uh, in our research the rest of the way. All right, guys. So we lost uh, we lost my mic there. So apologies. I'll just uh, kind of talk you through this and voice over what was going on during this stretch. So custom model .com, and what I wanted to do is create again kind of that uh, stroke gain total that we've been doing, but doing it in a different way. And what I opted to do was put a lot of weight on accuracy, a little bit on uh, driving distance, and then really ramp up the strokes gained approach. I think that's critical every week. And I think it's going to continue to be critical this week. Uh, I don't think the short game categories, both around the green and putting are going to be particularly important, but I did want to round out the rest of those strokes gained total numbers. So you'll see me do that. And then obviously uh, I've got some weights left over and I kind of go back and forth here on where I want to allocate them. I could do DraftKings points gains. I could do birdie or better. I even considered using some of the proximity buckets, but I didn't think that they were nearly as strongly correlated as some of these other items. And I've been trying to get a little bit freaky in this over the past couple of weeks and try to do different things and, and be able to back test it. So you see me go back and forth here before I finally settle on putting all of those weights in birdie or better percentage. And I'm not sure that's something I would do every time moving forward, but certainly something that I'm, I'm interested in doing. And it reveals uh, quite a star-studded top 10 here. And if you start looking through these guys like Davis Riley and Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns and Rory McIlroy, uh, Justin Thomas, Xander Shoffley, uh, Aaron Wise, Sung J.M., Tony Finau, Patrick Haley, they round out the top 10 with Seamus Power as 11. So you get a lot of big-name stars here. And I think the non- the non-stars, the sleepers, uh, are guys that I love, like a Davis Riley, like an Aaron Wise, like a Sung Jam, giving them an opportunity to kind of, you know, buy low or bounce back a little bit in, in that regard. So this was a really good pool for me. And I'll have to continue to split hairs across those more expensive guys because you can't play them all, but it, it did at least validate some of uh, my favorite options uh, that were a little bit further down the board. So 
uh, apology, apologies for having to do it this way with the voiceover and the custom model. But things happen when we're on the road and we'll get it all situated. Um, let me know what you think. This is something that I'm excited to cover this week. The Travelers Championship always gets a, a great turnout. You can tweet me at Rick Run Good. You can leave a comment below. Best of luck, and we'll talk soon.